Golden West Radio now brings you the Lawn and Garden Journal. Get your questions ready. Our toll-free line is open at 1-800-374-3315. Now, here's your host, Carla Hersina, from St. Mary's Nursery and Garden Center. Good morning, everyone. You are listening to the Lawn and Garden Journal. And I don't know if it's going to rain today where your location is, but the darkness of the sky with the big puffs of white just braced above them. Is it a tease? But we will enjoy the breeze as I wake up in the morning and I look at the dark sky. And then as I venture to my trunk this morning to come to work, the contrasting sky against the lilacs in my yard I take a pause and I just look at it and I think, wow, it is lilac season. That sweet scent, the types, the blooms. And it just gives me a reminder as I look at one of my lilacs that it is now above my head. Maybe a little trimming is coming up ahead. Who knows? But I had to flip my poem this morning because I was enticed and I guessed influenced by what I saw. So please listen to this poem. It's called Ambushed. I had always adored purple lilacs and could never get enough, as wildflowers bloom abundantly, although times may get rough. They had a graced a backyard garden that I'd known in childhood on a tree-lined street of birdsong in a fine old neighborhood. Now I had lilacs on my own, my life full of sights and scents, which delighted passerbyers and had prompted countless comments. My heart was in my gardening, which had come to be my passion, as the rainbow's vivid vibrancy is a true sunshine reaction. Despite my busy life, I loved lonely walks with nature, just as every red marching band must have a proud drum major. I was an ecologist, and my focus was upon the terrestrial ecology, which was interesting and satisfying as a vivid sunset study. Everyone who knew me was well aware of the lingering passion as the voguish adhere to styles until they go out of fashion. My job required being in nature a lot, and that was fine by me, as it is fine by moonlight to go glimmering on midnight sea. One day, as I dozed on the porch, I had a purple lilac dream, the kind you have on a Sunday afternoon, under clouds of cream. Awaking in my old porch swing, my gaze fell upon the violet lilacs, like yon sun is ever moving, till beauty stops its in his tracks. Days later, I visited a friend, and we were in her yard talking, in the peacefulness of afternoon when shadows began stalking. My friend offered iced tea and cakes, going inside to get them, as the sunshine offered honeyed warmth upon the slightest whim. After my friend disappeared inside, I turned myself back around and was stunned to see a lilac bush newly rooted in the ground. It was a huge purple and fragrant and blossomed on my right side, like the first rose of spring, blooms, where winter has died. In that moment, I grew very still. At once, I became quite hushed, 
for as the emerald buds crowd out spring, I knew I had been ambushed. I heard my friend and turned around, and when I turned back again, as amidst the lilac was suddenly gone, as if it had never been, I wondered secretly to myself, might it have been my imagination? Like the wild beauty summer dreams up amid the color sensations. I said nothing of the strangeness to my friend happily chatting, as thunder says nothing to rain at dull windowpane smacking. But deep inside myself I wondered, like the dark night of mystery, if aught like this magic of beauty had happened in all history. On a lazy weekend day soon after, while I sat reading in the park, as my gaze fell upon a fountain, again I gleaned nature's remark. There in all its regal glory, arrayed in glorious dapple purple, stood my old friend Lilac and Bloom's from beauty's inner circle. Bordering the fountain in a semicircle were lilacs amongst others, as sunshine, weak in one moment, gains the intensity which smothers. There were many more visits from the wild one I ever knew, as the love that endured a century, only a magic, only time could tell. The lilac ambushes never stop, and I'm glad they keep coming back, for it's a pleasant to ever be on guard for an exotic beauty attack. The lilacs are in bloom. Welcome back, everyone. It is a beautiful morning, especially if you're going to be in your garden a little later, after the Lawn and Garden Show. The lines are open, 1-800-374-3315. Now, the lilacs. You hear a little sniffle in my voice that's this morning? Yes, I had my head stuck right in my lilac bush this morning, and one with a little bit of allergies. Ah! Maybe I shouldn't have gotten too close. But they're beautiful. The lilacs are just emerging. And it's kind of nice that when you strategize with your landscaping of where you put sort of some of your plants, one bush is just slightly opening up its beauty. My Meyer lilac is in a little bit more on the exposed to that western sun. So it's in its glory that's on there. Miss Kim, though, that's my other one. I'm going to enjoy some lilacs as an extended season because she's just starting on her buds. So looking at the lilac family, there is a diversity of the lilacs for heights, shapes, and styles, even color. So the lilacs themselves, and I always refer to sort of my days where I was uh, at the farm visiting the grandparents and the grandmothers in their locations where you reflect and you see, and maybe it's the inspiration that was set in me early in my years as to visualize. I was the one that said, hey, there's raspberries in the back lane, as everyone was headed to the park. Who knew where this would take me? Lilacs are important. Lilacs give us shade, especially in the history side of the farmers. But let's before we venture into that, we're going to go right to the lines. I think it's going to be a busy morning. Hilda's on the line. Good morning, Hilda. Good morning. Hi, Carla. I was have a question. My raspberries have got worms on them that are eating the leaves off. They're they're kind of like a little army worm. They're green and they're about five eighths of an inch long and about a one sixteenth thick. Ooh. 
what could I spray on there to get rid? They're just eating the leaves. The, the leaves are all holes already. Oh, my gosh. You know what? There are some bugs that are out there. Even, um, you know, we're having some certain areas where we're seeing that, yes, the worms are out. And, uh, you know, especially, I think, leaf rollers are out there as well that's happening. But what you can do is I'm a firm believer first. If uh, do, you, do you have a hose that's close to it that you can get to it, or is it further out? No, I can. I have a hose to get okay. right at it, yeah. Let's take the first measure. Blast them off with a hose. See if you can get that first movement where uh, water, like rain, is a very good natural cleanser that's on there. So yeah, I like we've always had giving. So much rain. I know. <laughs> okay. If you have not, if it's still in standing water, here's the conversation. If it's in a wet area, then maybe water would not be your choice. But you can use uh, pyrethrums, you can use uh, diatomaceous earth that's on there, both of the areas that are on it, because um, are the berries starting to set yet or not? Well, you know, I, I don't think I'm going to have any berries because the bunnies ate them off right to the ground. Oh, okay. So let's and try... And so they're all new ones coming. Yeah. You know, those rascally rabbits, I know they're... Um, yeah. <laughs> No comment on about the rabbits. Um, I have a little story to tell on that one too. But uh, yeah, so maybe try with uh, some organic sprays first. Like if you're looking at the diatomaceous earth, you can put a little bit of that powder on it. But what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to spray it prior to, um, you know, prior to heavy rains. And if if it does rain, you're going to have to reapply it. Okay. Oh, it's supposed to be hot for the next few days. So what powder do I put on? You can use, it's one called, um, it's got diatomaceous earth in it. You've probably heard me talk about, uh, I think the other way if I say it is Insecola that's on there is the brand name. Or how do you, you spell? How do you spell that? Di, I can. I don't know if it's Insecola, but I'm going to give you because if they have diatomaceous earth that's on. All right, I have to. I have to write it as I spell it. Okay. D I A E I A D D is in dog I A Di. Okay. D M A M A. I think it's T A C I O U S, diatomaceous earth. T A C I O U S. T A I O A S. Yeah, that's pretty, that's close enough. If you say, if you walk into a garden center and say, I want diatomaceous earth, they're going to go, oh my gosh, she knows her gardening. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> so I can go to any garden center and get that? Yeah, most fine garden centers would have a product. If you mention diatomaceous earth, they should know what it is. Okay. Okay. All right. And that's a, a that's a powder. That's a powder. Now, if okay. you're finding that it's also as to um, the leaf rollers, like for most bugs. Now, here's some people that maybe this rolls into the question. There are some leaf rollers that are out there that are affecting a lot of crops too, as well. That can be treated because if it's a worm, uh, a worm type bug, then you would use BTK, and unfortunately, BTK is a short abbreviation for Bacillus thuringi crispaki. If I said that right, it's a long Latin name um, that targets your worm um, bugs that cause effect in the garden. But that is a wettable pro- a wettable things too. So. But 
being that it's a wettable and you're doing it as a wettable spray, you're not doing an application where you're going to so- soak the ground. This is an application that is going to be on the leaves themselves, okay? But they are falling off on the ground. That's how I found them. The ground is full of them. Oh, if the ground's full of them, you can also put the diatomaceous earth on the ground because when they creep through that, it will affect it through the ground too as well, okay? Okay, because when it's windy like that, that's where I found them, on the ground. And we have been having some gusty winds. I can totally see that. Yeah, but, uh, so maybe I'll just use that then and yeah. uh, and if, if you I have your them if, that way. And if you have your garden boots out, I'd be doing a little stomping. <laughs> well, I have been doing that. I've been kind of picking them up and, and killing them. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, they're still, uh, I just didn't know whether they were going to kill all my raspberries if well, they eat all the leaves. Yeah, well, if they leave the leaves, you need the respiration, but um, uh, you need the stems of your raspberries that come up, so it sounds like you have the, too bad, here's a question, why don't rabbits eat bugs? There you go. <laughs> Right? I don't what? Rabbits eat bugs. We should get the rabbits interested in eating oh, bugs. Oh, well, That's... see, we, we, um, we're at a condo, and we have our gardens fenced. Yes. So rabbits can't get in. But they oh. found a hole in winter right by my garden, and Aww. they chewed all the raspberries off. <laughs> oh, they my gosh. They didn't all over. We have 30, 24 plots, and they didn't all over, but uh, and everybody else's, but they sure did mine because they found a hole right in the corner, oh. and they just chewed everyone off. They never left a one stand. <laughs> well, I, the, your raspberries will come back. You'll see the new shoots. and um, Oh, yeah, they are already now. They're just about... Um, Two and a half feet high already, and they're, wow. they're healthy looking, but all of a sudden I've got all these holes in the leaves. <laughs> well, try those. <laughs> try the diatomaceous earth and just uh, let us know how it happens. How it all right. Okay. okay. Thank you very much. You're welcome. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you for calling. Bye. Bye-bye. Wouldn't that be great if rabbits could start eating bugs? I don't think it's a reality. I think it's just a dream that maybe can help to save our plants. And the tease this morning was about the lilacs. I know that we were also talking about plants that could deter the mosquitoes. That is going to be an ongoing sort of thing right now. But let's talk about the positivity of plants. And I love that there's the lilacs that are blooming. And have you also seen the mock orange? The mock oranges are also blooming. We've got some gorgeous ones in the nursery right now that I... Last night, yeah, maybe that's why I'm still a little sniffly. I have a tendency to um, put my nose a little close to the roses, a little bit close to the mock orange, so we can have a little bit of scent. And, oh, the scents there are. We like. Did you know that even historically it gave me a little bit of a giggle? I know that uh, Desmond is there, but did you know that historically when I was kind of looking up why and the purpose of lilacs were, Yes, they were around our our farmsteads. They were wind blocks or wind breaks for that. But even historically, if you go back a little further, you see that lilacs were also put around in the farmsteads, a certain area, around a certain structure because their scent helped to deter the other scent. And I'm talking the outhouses. And as the outhouse moved, so did the lilacs. 
more got planted. Let's go right to the line. Desmond is waiting. Hi, Desmond. Hi. Hi. Where are you? Know what I forgot to ask. Uh, uh, you're from where? Glenora. So, oh, well, hello. And how is everything out there? And you know what? We're getting some little bit of sprinkles right now. Are you guys sunny or are you going to get some rain? Oh, it's sunny and windy. Oh, how can we help you today in the Lawn Garden Journal? I was wondering about trimming uh, evergreen trees. Oh, you know what? That was one of my questions I have set down on my... I usually put a little bit of uh, notes down on my pad here, and I always think of hot topics that are happening. Now, with evergreen cedars and our mugle pines, our junipers, normally in this season, Desmond, we would be doing them right about now or a little bit after Father's Day. I... Nor, uh, normally would call it the Father's Day gift that you get to do all the trimming. But because we're a little bit later in our season, the, uh, and part of the hint that's in there is when our evergreens open up, we have the new growth that's on it. So we do not want to do any trimming until some of those candles on the mugal pines have extended, that's your new growth, or your spruce trees have opened up and done a little bit of hardening that's on there. So not quite yet. I'd probably say we're a little bit closer to the end of June for doing any shaping or uh, trimming on any spruce or evergreens. So, okay, June. Uh, Hello? Prob- hi, yeah, probably near the more. I'm, I'm more in tune to sort of saying it, it's going to be more at the end of June because our season, we have started yeah. so late that's on there, Okay. I kind of figured that, but I wasn't sure. Yep. Oh no, you you had you had the right answer, but uh, you know what? It's almost like uh, call a buddy, <laughs> get get a second advice, and sort of see if it's firm. So there's no problem in that. There you go. There you go. Oh, by, the, by the way, the mixer D I A T O M A C E O U S. Oh, thank you so much, diatomaceous. So, yeah. Did I say that too fast? uh, Maybe, if you want to say it again. D-I-A-T-O-M-A-C-E-O-U-S. Well, thank you for correcting me. I actually have a bag in front of me. Do you? (laughs) I feed feed it to my calves. Oh, there you go. My calves, it's otherwise, like this spring, they were licking uh, steel bars and dirt. And so you feed them to major surf, and it, they're lacking something in their in their diet. Oh, I've never had it. I've never. Um, that's new to me. I've never had that before. So and this one, and this one's a white powder. I know, buddy, that uses a. It's a more of a, a gray granular, and this is more like a white powder, and it's uh, like really fluffy. Yeah, a, a fifty-pound bag is really big. I buy from Feed Right Feed Company. Well, there, you, I, you just taught me something. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. Oh, by the way, we're 50 miles from Mariapolis. Sorry? Yeah, you were wondering where Mariapolis was one day when 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 a woman phoned in. Yes. Yeah. Well, we're 15 miles from Mariapolis, so we're the, uh, towards the northeast. Well, you so know now what? you're getting I, your triangle. I'm getting my triangle. Thank you so no. much. Okay, right, you take bye. care, Desmond. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. It is amazing. 
we're getting so many locations and just seeing the reach of all our friendship with why we're gardening. So we're reaching the north and I know we're reaching the deep south. We learn a whole bunch or a whole lot on this show. It always amazes me. It gives me wonder. And it's like, get your coffee cup. Let's talk about gardening. And the conversation goes back to the lilacs because I like being able to sort of see what is out there with the lilacs. Now, we know that they have all their scent that's out there. We know that the range that we have of our lilacs, even the color tones that are on them, they start off with their deep purples or their light pinks or their whites, but they do fade with sunlight. So again, even though a flower is fading, it gives us that different range of color. It's still pretty even if it lightly fades. It's like me. I'm getting a little older, but I still have something in me, that is something to give. The same with the trees and the shrubs that give us the flowers. It's that tone that's that set. It gives you the diversity and color now. Now, did you know that lilacs, yep, if, you, uh, if you're planting them in your backyard, um, they're not toxic because a lot of times people will plant things in their gardens and sort of say, is there a toxicity to this? Well, not known for humans, cats, or dogs. So it's a go-go for that. They have beautiful scents. They are bee-friendly for butterflies, bees, birds. It's a great pollinator. So again, you see the choice when you're doing it into your gardens, when you have your vegetables, if you have it on the farm, this is the purpose of it. And it all goes back to that purpose that's in there that gives it that strength in the garden. Now, when you're looking at some of the lilacs that's in there, did you know that there's actual symbols of color when you choose a color that's for the garden? And I did find one that if you like light purple lilac flowers, it's a symbol of first love. And it's actually used in a lot of uh, romance bouquets. So if there's someone out there that you want to send uh, some flowers to, maybe it has a little bit of lavender uh, lilacs in it. And that's the other thing too. You have your own, own source of picking some of your lilacs to put into the house. Magenta is known for uh, its symbolizing passion. Okay, and purple is also, remember, is deeply associated with royalty, regalty, and nobility that's in there. And white, of course, divinity, pure, uh, uh, purity, and innocence. Who knew that's in there? So the lilacs, again. Now, the old French style lilacs is the one that I'm probably most common knowing when we used to do our running around as kids. The French lilacs were suckering and got huge that's on there. Maybe that's the purpose of why they were used for the shelter belts in certain areas. Or if you have large lots, you can use those too. The diversity now has gone to the different heights. The Meyer lilacs and the Miss Kim lilacs, they make great hedges if you're wanting to do it. If you're not wanting to go into the French styles that really sucker tall. And just remember, some of your lilacs too, although they say light suckering, Light suckering, they still sucker. Venturing to tree form, and I love the tree form. Japanese tree lilacs in ivory silk or the snow dance varieties. These are trees, yes, 
tree-form trunk upper canopy, but their blooms bloom a little bit later than your traditional other lilacs. So when you're having that landscape design that you want to have a little bit of a twist of some lilacs blooming now or later, it's like, okay, one is a little bit more shade, like in my yard. One is going to come a little bit faster that's in it and bloom quicker. Now your Japanese tree lilacs have a beautiful shape canopy above. It is a smaller tree, easy to care, white blooms, nicely scented. So maybe it's a choice of tree. I find that uh, the more and more use, even as boulevard trees, because we uh, help out some of our developers here with some of their trees, it's now being used as a boulevard tree because of the ease that's on it. But lilac trees themselves they grow in very good uh, soils that's in it. Because when I say very good, it's good prairie soil from the prairies from uh, Saskatchewan to Manitoba. They will accommodate and they'll adapt to even the heavier clay sales, uh, soils and even in areas that are a little bit sandy around the Brandon area. What is your type of soil? The one comment that I would say is if you venture into planting a Japanese tree lilac, It is unforgiving if you plant it in an area that is low-lying, that holds moisture. That's a no-no. They like to be uh, watered, but then allowed to go dry between their waterings. So if you're planting it, I always say plant it up on a little bit of a pitcher's mound. You know, like the baseball. He's the pitcher. Plant it a little bit higher that's in there. Trees will self-settle themselves as they go, but never in a swale between two houses. Never at the access point from a downspout into a garden. That one, I will give you a little no-no. Move it away. It'll do much better for you and you'll love it. It's a slower growing tree too, so it helps to fill up that little bit of shade that's in there. And it has almost this diamond or pyramidal shape lift to the top of it. So are you interested in lilacs or going in looking at them? Maybe venture around into your neighborhood to see who has lilacs blooming. The lines are open if you want to give me a call, 1-800-374-3315. Now, when you're looking at it too, um, the mock orange are also in bloom now. They have a citrusy type of scent, beautiful, absolutely, almost like a gardenia bloom, almost like a rose, okay, a cross between a rose and a gardenia bloom is kind of what I'm thinking it is because it has that purity white flower that's in it beautifully scented there is nothing like in the prairies growing a mock orange that has that blossom that has that unique orangey blossom scent now the other things that I should mention about the lilacs just as uh, Desmond was asking about uh, pruning of our evergreens and our junipers and, and spruce lilacs and mock orange this is the call to action as if we do we when do we prune these These also two are going to be sort of depicted that as soon as they're finished blooming, okay, give them about a week or two, and then you do your shaping of your mock orange, your uh, forsythias, uh, your um, lilacs. And it's important because like your spruce trees, as soon as they're finished blooming on the lilac and the mock orange and your flowering ones, just like your evergreens. As soon as that new bud growth opens, the new bud sets for the next spring 
is already being energized and put into that structure of that plant to produce the flowers for the next years or in the spruce and the um, yugo pines and your evergreens in the new branching for the next year. It's a different cycle. It's a different pattern for them. So we sort of have to mark on the calendar. Do you have one of those calendars? Do you have a garden book? Mark it down. As soon as they're finished blooming, you have about a week or two, let's get out there. Let's do some pruning. Do some maintenance. You will be rewarded with the pruning back and also shaping things back and making your trees and shrubs a little bit more denser that's on there. Wow. It's like deadheading. Yes. I have a sister that's down south and she says, help, I need deadheading. This is like doing that on a tree and a shrub, shearing it back, giving it shape. You'll be rewarded with more branches, more leaves, and more blossoms. Let's go right to lines. Ruth is waiting. Hi, Ruth. Hi, Carla. Good morning. Where are you calling from? Winnipeg. Yeah, it's, you know what? Have you got rain yet? No, not yet. The sun was shining a moment ago. Well, I'm just looking out my window and I've got some nice, heavy, big drops that may be coming your way. <laughs> well, I, we've had lots of that. We have definitely, you know, it's it's one of those things, Ruth, that when we have, uh, we've gone from the last two years where we've been very dry and now it seems like we just can't dry out. So that affects our gardens too as well because there's a lot of uh, things that are happening in our gardens that are causing moisture stress, right? But yes. um, let's help you with what you're looking uh, for answers on today. Help well, me help I have you. a rhubarb plant and uh, it comes up beautiful and I can harvest some uh, rhubarb and then it starts getting brown spots on the leaves. And it, is, it, um, <laughs> is it in full sun or is it in full it, shade? It's in full sun. It's in full sun. And how old is the plant? Uh, it's quite old. It's quite old? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I find that in plants that are hitting some maturity that's in there, uh, there is it, and it's like a perennial. Um, after a number of years, most plants that are sort of in that perennial department, I call it department, I always say department, in that, a perennial, in that perennial category, there is a time frame where you should lift, divide, split, and when you do this, it causes a re-energy, a re-emergence of growth, a redevelopment of roots. And when you get a foundation of new roots, it's going to cause better growth above. So if you can, sure. yeah, I would say probably in the, in the uh, fall, because rhubarb is a spring blooming up one that comes in there, is... If you can get it and harvest it and see if you can lift and divide it, that could be a portion of it too as well. So I would dig the whole thing out and divide it and I could plant it back in the same spot? You could plant it back in the same spot or if you're wanting to, you can move it to a different location that's on there. Now, there's a couple other things that you could do too that could be there is actually some diseases that are out there too as well. So rather than saying it has a disease, maybe it's the age of the plant that needs to be re-energized. Oh, okay. Because okay. it's done this for the last couple of years. Yeah, yeah. And so. normally when we say that um, the 
I like to say some plants, and I think in rhubarb they usually say after 10 years or whatever, but perennials reach their maturity at, they start reaching maturity at three to five years. In three to five years, if you have perennials in your garden, you are looking at something and you go, wow, this looks beautiful. When you start hitting seven to 10 years, some perennials get a little bit softer. And when I say softer, they get a little bit lighter on their production, a little bit lighter on their performance of blooming. So it's giving that little boost of energy. So I would strongly say, let's lift it, divide it, split it up. You can put a patch back where it was, but maybe you can start a different patch or maybe gift a patch away. And if you want to see if it is a diseased leaf, uh, what you could do is take a leaf in a clear plastic bag to a garden center and maybe they can even look at the the structure of the leaf to see if there is something else that's identifiable on that. Okay? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay, welcome. Thank and you I, very much. You're welcome. Yeah. And I would say you can never have enough rhubarb. When it's ready to pick, there's never enough rhubarb. <laughs> no, I know. And I usually I pick it right off and it comes up again. And uh, I was wondering whether that was the wrong thing to do. No, because you should be able to pick, if it's harvesting, you should be able to pick um, and harvest some of it off of it. Now, are the stalks really, really thick or are they thinner? Uh, they came out really thick this year. Really thick, but, uh, yeah. it's the first ones, and after that, they're getting thinner. Yeah, they get thin, yeah. I would, I'm, I'm going to call this one and say we need to lift and divide. So... If you have to lift and divide, because the rhubarbs have very big root systems that's on it, go a little beyond the, sort of a little bit further past the leaf structure that's in there. So you need a buddy to help you, okay? Because that's going to be okay. a, that's going to be a dig deep, uh, dig out. So make sure you got a buddy with, with you on that one, all right? Oh, okay. Okay. All right. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Ruth, for calling. You're Bye-bye. Welcome. Bye-bye. It is that because, and it's amazing too, the conversation is um, when we start going on one category of gardening, it's like, okay, this brings up a whole different realm of more uh, structures because some roots of some plants are very shallow. Other ones are very deep. And it's like um, here I'm always saying that we have some people that come in and they're, Um, you know, we know that annuals, we're in the thick of gardening right now, right? We're gardening late. We're still doing our plantings. So annual, some annuals can actually be planted a little bit deeper to set them into their patterns. But if we, if we plant a tree or a shrub and it goes, we put more soil on top of the surface of that shrub or that tree, and we push soil higher up on that cambium of the bark of the tree, we're actually causing a detriment to it. Let the plants settle themselves in, right? Trees at any time, what we can do is if there's a small tree, it drops a seed from the ground. We all know the cotton seeds were blowing around like crazy. They catch the ground. They grow. And as they grow, their roots go into the ground. And as they mature, the weight of that tree pushes it gently back into the ground a little further but it knows the height it needs to go to survive. So we don't want to push them down deep. 
we want to have them at the exact same height that's there. So it makes it perfect for growing. All right? Thank you for listening, everyone. And on that scent, we have a quick little poem, that magic scent of lilacs. Day after day, I'd be walking on autopilot back to my abode till there it was that stop you in your tracks, a Dorius bouquet. How lovely these long-awaited lilacs would magically explode, brazingly caressing my tender nostrils, all so eager for that first sign of summer's on its way. A forerunner reminder that school will soon be out. Lilacs announced freedom intrepidly to the wind. Of that there would never be the least infinite, infinite smile doubt. After a year of being studious, not much left to rescind. Suddenly daydreams of summer were allowed, and we just grin. We'll be back next week on the Lawn and Garden Journal. Bye-bye, everyone. Happy Father's Day to all you dads.